charisma, athleticism, raw talent, yes, the cart, rich swan, the one with all the flash, the one with all the cash, and the one who can whoop anybody's. We gonna keep that PG, but right now, you are listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Oh yeah, baby! The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Friday, March 1st, 2019, and you are tuned into Season 3, Episode 9 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're kicking it old school as we talk nothing but WWE and NXT. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at HTMPWPod, Facebook, Hitting the Marks, Twitch.tv, Hitting the Marks, and email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth. The legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that art of the beat. You, you know what? You know, everyone knows who I am. Rick Vickery here. Uh, back again, the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm telling you what, Jargo. I, I don't need to stick today. I am coming in hot. Coming in hot on this one, man. Uh, we've got all, all these great topics. WWE is actually interesting to talk about this week. We've got news and happenings from around the world of professional wrestling. But what has got me, Steam, is, is what we've seen transpiring here almost in the last 12 hours on social media. And that is the blatant disrespect by one Ronda Rousey, which is pretty much, I mean, this is just petty. It is lowest common denominator booking at its finest, if you will. And it's just not, you know, it's just not that she is out there seemingly exposing the business. It's a trickle down effect that we're seeing here. It has got me hot. But hey, you know, just like back in the day when they would open up a show and give you a hook and then and then pay it off later, we're gonna do that. So you have to stay you have to stay tuned in with us to to hear the exact breakdown of why this is complete bullshit. Yeah, we've got a lot going on on today's show. We're going to hit a few big topics in segment one. Then we'll go ahead and throw it over to the break. And then we've got some more minor topics and we'll talk some NXT because uh, there, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of rants in me from last night's I, NXT I, episode as well. I, I don't know. This, this entire thing with her, what's going on here from all angles, it has me hot from, from the fans, people that are inside WWE. You know, to just her. And, and I don't think people really understand how big of an issue this is. So let's go ahead and let's hit the music. It's the first time this year. We, Rick, it's it's the beginning of March. And we are officially on the road to Wrestle 
Mania. Boy, did WWE TV pick up this week. And things all started off with the big dog. The big dog is back. Roman Reigns now leukemia free, at least for the time being. Um, And we know that he is training for an in-ring return. Uh, I thought it was a great moment. I thought Monday, if they were going to bring Roman out, it had to be one of two things. It had to be either he was in remission again or he was retiring because something had developed inside of his treatment. Thankfully, it's remission. The big dog is back. It's good to have Roman back. Um, What did you think of the moment, the way everything was handled? What did you think of the big dog's return? I got to say, you know, you know, as you said, I mean, what what an incredible moment! And, and even you got all, and what, you know, I know we're going to get to these naysayers and these conspiracies and all this that's going on out there. If you didn't feel that moment, man, there's something wrong with you. It's rare in this day and age where where we can truly feel you know something real in professional wrestling that that really grabs at your heartstrings. Uh, and to have a moment like that uh, was special. And you know, your heart has to go out to the guy, Joe. I mean, to, to the man behind the persona, you know, outside of the ring, outside of the arenas, outside the fame, you, your heart has to go out to Joe. And I thought all around, top to bottom, how they handled this thing throughout the night. Uh, a great job. Great job by WWE. Uh, I'll say on air because I did have one issue with this, and that's more to deal with their marketing uh, and, and kind of exploiting, you know, that dollar. Yeah, the the T-shirt thing, I assume, is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I don't know if you wanted to get that later, but yeah, well, I guess this is it's kind of fits here because immediately after we get this open, you know, it, he's emotional, uh, you know, that sort of a homecoming for him. That crowd is emotional. We're emotional at home. Immediately as that segment ends, millions of emails are sent out inviting you to shop.com to, to pick up the new gear. And I thought it was a a, a great looking shirt. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna move tons of these things. They would have moved a hell of a lot more of them if at least some percentage of the proceeds were being donated to leukemia research or the children that Roman went and visited down at the hospital in Dallas. I, what, Connor's the, Connor's cure. Connor's cure. Like this feels like a cash grab for the WWE just because of the way that it was presented. Well, I, this this is an old this is an old ploy. The way that does, and it it really surprised me when I actually got to see the email that went out, and that they didn't even mention, you know, during the episode. Hey, the cover these people, these millions are getting this email. Hey, by the way, you know, it's that, it's always that magician trick that we talk about. What we're doing over here, but you know, they got the real reason over here. Obviously, it's a cash grab, but you're going to make people feel better about the moment, and actually, you know, probably drive some more sales. If they feel that they're contributing along with Roman, along with WWE, I'm guessing. Here's what I'm guessing they do. And this isn't this is a, an aged old marketing ploy. You see how much you can get away with. Now that you know, just it's just not us. You're seeing this across the internet. People are immediately calling them out on this thing. I'm willing to bet as soon as we start seeing here in the next week or so, when those sales start to settle and they're seeing kind of that flat line where they're at. Then they're going to kick in with the, this was all for, this is all for the charity. This is for the research. That's, they can always go back to that. You know, they, they can always employ, you know, employ that later, but you can't take that back. So they're going to grab all the money they can right now. I've heard a lot of people complimenting the crowd and how Roman was received on Monday. And 
it kind of feeds into the conspiracy theory a little bit because, of course, Monday Night Raw was in Atlanta this week, and Atlanta is the one city in the United States that Roman would get a pop. Any any time. Even when at the height of Boo Roman out of the building, Atlanta would cheer Roman Reigns because he went to school at Georgia Tech. He's a yellow jacket. He played football there. Atlanta has always loved Roman, which begs the question in my mind anyway, how long has WWE known about Roman's remission? Because as I look at the booking over the course of the last, I don't know, three to four weeks in particular, it seems as though they can kind of spin some stuff out of this for Roman Reigns. I think they've known for a little while. And you asked me this question last night. I think really what, you know, an indicator here is, is when we saw Dean stop using a sickness as a crutch for his character. Yeah. I I think that they have actually known this for a while and just did a real good job of keeping things under wraps. Well, and you got to look at too, you know, there's what you probably, you know, that he is on, He's on the road to recovery. He's getting good news every doctor visit. So, you know, and he's in constant contact with with WWE. You know, every time he sees a doctor, they know what's going on. I mean, they they know when he's waking up, when he's going to bed. So, yeah, of course, they're looking down the road. I mean, they're strategically looking at a spot. You know, what would be the easiest to bring him in? When can we work some things around him? I mean, that's just the nature of storytelling. That's that's the nature of entertainment of events. I mean, you're looking for that, you know, that prime opportunity to pounce, and they had that here. And I think they did a very nice job. Uh, I think that they had this in mind all along. Baron Corbin. We all wondered why are we still pushing Baron Corbin? Why is Baron Corbin still in the spotlight? Why is Baron Corbin on my TV ten to fifteen minutes every goddamn week? I hate Baron Corbin. Well, the answer was because we want you to hate Baron Corbin because when Roman comes back, we're going to position him against Baron Corbin and we want you to cheer Roman Reigns. Well, and it's not even you you knew that people were going to cheer him when he came back. Yeah, but this leaves it without any question. Well, right now, now you've got the the ultimate opportunity to make sure, you know, you're going to you know, solidify that just not Joe's getting cheered that Roman, the persona, is going to get cheered because his first triumph in, in returning to the WWE Universe is going to be able to rid us of this channel changer that we've had. Yeah, and now I kind of feel bad because going back before we heard the Roman announcement, I was over blasting Corbin, tagging him in it, calling him the cancerous Baron Corbin. Oh, that's awful. And hindsight, hindsight 2020 on that one. But yeah, that's that's pretty awful. But, you know, that's one of those things that makes me wonder about this remission. And, you know, you had brought this up and I had read some leukemia research over the course of the last couple of days. You know, Roman Reigns goes through regular drug testing, right? Well, at least we would like to think that Roman Reigns goes through regular drug testing. But given the fact that he had leukemia 10 years ago... Of course, that is something that they are going to monitor. This very easily could have, you could have seen a spike in a white blood cell count. A certain level could have been high. And this was basically a preemptive measure to make sure that the leukemia did not come back full force. I I think they caught this very early on. He's a professional athlete. This makes all the sense in the world to me. And then I had it solidified when I saw the Good Morning America interview and the fact that Robin Roberts was the one 
conducting the interview. If there was a chance that any of this was a work, it went right out the window as soon as I saw Robin Roberts sitting on the opposite side of Roman Reigns. Well, you know, immediately when he comes out, you've got I, I didn't know this. You know, I, it's it's good to know now. You know, if, if we come down with an ailment, we can turn to the internet wrestling community because we have one million uh, Mark Tar doctors out there. Yeah, you know, because you know, their uncle Joe had these effects. He lost his hair. He lost. You know, it, it, every situation is not the same. And we're talking about a, a, a man that is at top. He's you know physical conditioning. You know, he, he's not like us. He is a thoroughbred. And then he's going to have the top medical treatment. And they jumped on this thing early. They, they saw it early enough. And even going back to the announcement, we had talked about this. This is another case where, you know, us as fans and, and us as analysts and, and observers and things like that, we over speculate. We, we jumped on this thing and ran with it. They never really told us to the extent. You know, that, that his condition was at the time of his departure. He just kind of said, hey, it, it showed up. There is concern. I have to step away. And immediately everyone went, oh, my God, is he dying? Is he ever going to come back? I mean, they might have known right then. Hey, this is probably going to be four months. But as you're looking at a, a precautionary, you're heading to WrestleMania season. You can't rely on he's going to be back in February or, you know, late February, early March. You have to move forward that he's not. And, and now this is, you know, a blessing that you've got one one of your major stars back. Now, the question is, how long until that adoration fades? Um, because I have this feeling that if if we push, if we keep pushing this, I survived cancer. I survived cancer. I survived cancer. People are going to get real sick and tired of it. And there was something that he said during that promo that just absolutely rubbed me the wrong way. And that was when he was like, I'm going to ad lib here a bit. And it's like, wait, aren't we supposed to believe that the whole damn thing is an ad lib? Yeah, that kind of that kind of lost it. And those are going to be some of the little keys. I think it's got me really hot coming into today's episode you know, with Rhonda, and it's not so much what she, what she's doing on the surface. It's when you dig deeper into this thing. It's those little subtleties. You know, at that time, yeah, because when he says that, he's, you know, and whoever, and obviously, you know, that's on the script, you know. So whoever prompted that, they're trying to, they're trying to fool you into thinking, oh, now this shit's real. Now I bet, now I better get on the edge of my seat, really tune in. But what you're doing there's almost it's a backdraft there where you're completely dumping on everything else. So outside of that ad lib message, I, I should ignore everything else. The rest of your program is useless to me. Yeah, th these are the things that frustrate people about Roman Reigns. And I wonder how long will it take until if, if they go right back to the way Roman was being booked before. And they make him the feature baby face and we get 15, 20 minutes of Roman Reigns on our TV every single week and we get the same match every single time he goes out there in the ring and he hits you know his three four moves he's got his Samoan drop and a Superman punch and a spear how long until they turn on Roman Reigns again that's of course the biggest fear well let me ask you let's let's play a little beat of Booker let's go back and forth here we're, we're sitting here having this conversation because you know they have to be worried about this right now absolutely you know when I had it I felt it 
I felt it Monday night. I'm sitting there and I'm watching it, right? And he comes out and he's he's soaking it in and he's going around and he's you know hugging fans and he's hugging his family and I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, dude, we are 12 minutes into the show. Get the fuck on with it. And I don't know if I have that response, if it's anybody other than Roman Reigns, because as soon as I heard that music, as soon as I saw his face, I was like, oh, there's that smug motherfucker. I just, because I don't like Roman Reigns. Well, and here's the point, you know, when I was talking about real emotion, it, it, that's great. That's what we want. That's what we want. But then when they backfire, and I, I caught that too, when he backfired it and exposed it for me. And then I'm like, well, you just kind of, you just burst the bubble, man. Yep. I'm like, and oh yeah, here we go. Right back to the same old freaking Roman. It, 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 and I, I'm, I'm right with you. I had that scene because I was, I actually, I, I sat right up and I was paying attention. And as soon as it happened, I said, oh, Joe's gone. Welcome back, Roman Reigns. Yep. And, and you know, and I felt like a dick. I felt like it because it, it was, it was a great moment. And I thought that it was a good promo. I even like, you know, Seth coming out there at the end. I like completely ignoring the whole Dean Ambrose thing, at least for the time being during that opening segment. I thought it was well done. I felt like a dick because I'm sitting there going, this guy is coming back from cancer and I'm like, get the fuck on with it. You and he's, you know, he's poured his heart out. You know, this is one of the like most heart, you know, heart fulfilled moments that we've seen in a while. And it's like, okay, well, you, you kind of exposed it there. Uh, you know, it just would have been so. You know, if he just went went through with what he had to say as the man that came back from cancer, without mentioning, you know, that there's a di- a, a difference between the two. But then, just very something very direct. The big dog is back. I am getting back to business as usual. That would have told me, okay, at that point, even even in our hearts, if we're here cheering for the man, he is the persona again. So it is going to be Roman Reigns going forward. Now, your WWE, now they're, they're going to try to milk this thing as, as much as they can. How do you handle it? Do you, does he have to start over? I mean, he does he enter right back into that main event scene? Well, and I guess that brings up the next thing that that is of concern. As I said, I was doing some leukemia research over the last couple days, and I come to find out that once you have a relapse involving leukemia, there's a 55% chance of another relapse in the future. Now, of course... not even regarding Joe's health. I mean, I feel like that's a completely separate part of this. From a WWE perspective, how quickly are you going to reanoint Roman Reigns as the lead babyface, knowing that a year from now, we could go through this entire thing all over again? And you, and you don't know you don't know when this thing could occur. That's and that's a great point that you have there. So, how much do you, do you reinvest here? Because he, he, you know, going back a couple months ago, sure, the doctors might have told you, hey, he might he's going to be back in this time frame. They might have had this plan, but they don't know anything for sure. I mean, they had things in motion here where it looked like Seth was going to take that ball and run. I would say, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stall any plans, grand plans you have for Roman. Because, you know, outside of the audience and all that, it, it really when you, when you were able to. You really don't appreciate something until it's gone. And even. Even if you still want to, you still hate the way it was booked. You don't like that he's pushed to the top. You, you really did begin to appreciate what he offered to the product. 
He does have that superstar look. And what we saw, you know, in the interview on Tuesday morning, what the hell is that guy's personality? Yeah. When I saw that, that was my first thing was where in the hell has this guy been for the last five freaking years? It's almost it's like you would you knew that he had some you know relation to the rock. I mean, he was witty. He he was fun. He was humble. He was personable. Well, and not even that, not even, not even exactly what he was saying, but how he was saying it. You, you know that if you would just give him like bullet points or a directive and let him go out there, he could let his personality shine in any direction. You know, it doesn't have to be that John Cena, you know, the John Cena F face or something like that. You know, he could do anything there. As you know, Monday I threw out, you know, I, I started questioning uh, over on, on Facebook, a Hami media group in a live discussion and on Twitter there. This is going to fade. If they push, 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 this is going to fade. You know, and I, I, I'm on the fence. I'm like, I'm probably 70, 30. I would love to pull the trigger at the opportune moment at WrestleMania, close that show with the Universal Championship and turn him. I just, I, I, that seems so, like, I can't even begin to attempt to comprehend a Roman Reigns heel turn when they finally are going to get the response that Vince has wanted for Roman Reigns for five years. This goes, you know, goes back to what you were just asking. You know, do you you strap the entire cart to him or do you have a fleet of ponies running this thing now? So I think if if you really want to elevate more, you know, to keep Seth on that rise, I think Seth is the better baby overall, you know, despite the circumstance right now. I really think, I mean, you got the history where where Seth stole his moment at WrestleMania against Brock. You've had Roman finally was able to overcome Brock and and only had to hand over the championship. If he could somehow come out, win this. You know what? He could could still get into this match somehow, not even turn, win the match, and you could turn Seth if you wanted. I mean, there's, there's so many ways that you could close Mania with him holding that title. Now, if you wanted to turn Seth, then you get you finally get that pop moment that they've wanted for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, where they're actually cheering him standing there. But you could go that route. But I just think, you know, if you want to get back to business as usual and and set that defined line, we know you're cheering for Joe. We want you to go back to what you had for Roman. That would that would set that tone. And let's not pretend that everyone hated Roman Reigns. It was a split crowd. It was just, you know, the vocal minority. Yeah, that there, was there, there's plenty of professors out there. That's for sure. Um, I, you bring up Seth Rollins, and I think that's a great question. Where does Seth Rollins fit right now? As I'm looking at the Raw roster, of course, we have no idea how close Roman Reigns is to returning to in-ring action. Those Superman punches on Raw did not look very good. Um, you know, yeah, he, he might not, be not on the, not on the mark. Yeah, he might be two months away from actually being ready to be a competitor. WrestleMania might be the first time that you see Roman Reigns in action. So, I mean, could it be? It's just when you think WrestleMania and you think about the star power that they need, you need Roman at the top of that thing. But, hey, you could still put him. I mean, you've been building, as we've been talking about, you've been building Baron Corbin. People absolutely, I mean, this guy is, he he might be, he's setting new standards for X-Pac heat right now. 
I think, you know, even Stephanie McMahon and them, they're looking up at this heat that he is generating right now. So I don't think, you know, there will be anything more satisfying, even if it is like an eight second squash. If Roman just comes out and destroys him. And that's the last we see of the suit wearing Baron Corbin for a while. Well, of course, Monday on Raw, we also saw Roman and Seth save Dean Ambrose. And that immediately got my brain to thinking, what is the uh, what are the chances that Vince McMahon removes Seth Rollins from the match with Brock Lesnar and we see a shield reunion six man tag match just to get Roman on the show? I think there's so many other options. Then if you pull Seth out, then who gets inserted into that? Well, that's the question because my my initial thought was Bobby Lashley because we saw Bobby Lashley taking those shots at Brock Lesnar, but Bobby Lashley is part of the Evil Shield because we saw that big the triple power bomb spot with Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley. That's what really makes me wonder: like, how long have we known about this? Because that almost felt like a setup for S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Evil S.H.I.E.L.D. But, of course, we can't do that because we've got Seth and Dean are at odds and Roman's out with cancer. Oh, well, all of a sudden, that equation has completely changed. Well, I don't think they knew about it going back to Rumble then. Why would you put Seth over? Right. That's that's a that's a valid point. And, and, to, and to point out something that you kind of – and I know he's uh, he kind of disappears on individuals, especially when there's action happening. They can move Lashley out. And put Elias in. He was a part of that this week. There you go. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, because I, I, I almost feel like it's time to invoke the 25th Amendment, Rick. Vince McMahon has completely lost his freaking mind. He's out there and he's taking Becky out and suspending her for 60 days. And then we've got him taking Kofi out. We're going to we're going to cancel Kofi mania. And, you know, it's like maybe Vince is just going to say, you know what, Seth Rollins? You, you, we can't have you in that match against Brock Lesnar. Instead, we're going to do John Cena versus Brock Lesnar as as John Cena goes for his 17th World Heavyweight Championship, and we're going to reunite the Shield. I got it. I got it. All right, you, you can have your Shield reunion. I, I think that's I think that's just a letdown for WrestleMania, just to try to get that reunion. But I, I've got it here, Vince. <laughs> Crazy old Vince, right? He, he's out of touch. He knows what's best for the universe. He, he knows better than his kids that have been running running his brands here for a while. What do we What do we know? What of us What do us smarts also know here? He has rehired one Mister Bruce Pritchard, and the reasoning that we've heard behind that is he wants to recapture those glory days. God damn it, pal! I want my glory days back. So Vince comes out and he's got a new personal assistant. And yes, 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 it is brother love. So, so that the audience can remember him. And, and the reason he has brought brother love back is because he wants to make us love the WWE again. So instead of Seth Rollins, we have found the greatest love that WWE has ever had. And the new challenger is Hawkamania. Oh, for the love of God. Hawkster versus Brock Lesnar. The Hawkabaniacs versus the Beasts. New York City, one more time. Universal Championship, brother. What you gonna do? The other thing that plays into my Shield versus Evil Shield theory 
is, of course, Dean Ambrose. We've heard the speculation that Dean is leaving the WWE in April. Of course, you and I and Rihanna, we all think it's a... Yep, it's a work, 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 work. But let's just assume that it is a shoot. This might be the only chance that we have to reunite the Shield. Sierra Hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. So we're just going to get another flood of T-shirts. Just another, you know, another publicity stunt here for him. We'll try do, to get one th- more. Do you out think of it? that Vince McMahon lets Dean Ambrose walk away from the WWE without the Shield as one whole unit? Because I don't. I don't think there's any chance it happens. Hold on. I'll even, you know, work under the assumption. Let's just work under this is, this is actually happening. I still really don't believe it in my mind. I think I don't know it in my mind, but I I can play along, right? Yeah. What is it, Rihanna? Yeah. Okay. But but, but let's just assume that it's a shoot for for the sake of conversation. Okay. Uh, Well, now now that Roman is back, I wonder how much talk there was going between the three of them trying to take care of Dean. I wonder where he's at in those contract negotiations. What are these last pitches that they are making to him? What is that financial on the table? Come on, man. Stick around. We'll, we'll give you some creative control. Look look what it's doing for Daniel Bryan. We'll give you a little slice of that slice of that pie. Your, your brothers are back. You guys are going to make tons of merch. We'll, we'll up your cut on your merch. What's going on at the negotiating table? I mean, if you're Dean Ambrose, you've got to start rethinking some things now. Well, the other thing that kind of plays into that theory is just over the last couple of weeks, like psycho lunatic Dean has kind of turned back into goofy, fun loving Dean. Well, you know, I, I kinda, you know he, he doesn't he doesn't care. It's like he's kind of aloof. He doesn't even know where he's at at times. And I guess that plays into, you know, we saw them come out. We saw him come out and save him. And I like that touch. I like that touch where they just took off. You know, if they yep. didn't pick him up and do the fist bump. And I could see it in, you know, he was kind of mocking Roman, but he didn't actually attack Roman. So Roman, in his mind, is the big dog, the big brother. He might be thinking, let me get the family back. And even in Seth, I mean, he's the architect. He's He's got the, the his mind's in the right place. He's always thinking he's a couple steps ahead. He knows his brother's any, you know, better than anyone else. He might just be like, yeah, I, I want the war with my brother, but that's just him wigging out. That, that's Dean. He's got a couple screws loose. We, we got to get him back on the right track here. He's lost. You know, and he could come out and be like, I didn't know how to handle the news, man. I, I just, It's just the way I dealt with this. I thought everything was falling apart. It was going to get away from me. We were never going to ride because he never left Roman's side. Those right. two never split. I mean, it could have just been an emotional breakdown for him. If you are Dean Ambrose and you were planning on leaving the WWE, does Roman Reigns' return change that equation in your thought process? As long as their thought process is, I get a little more creative control. I'm going to get some financials. I'm going to get a bigger cut of that merch pie. Then most certainly it does. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's change the topic here. Let's talk about Kofi Mania. Uh, of course, Tuesday. What, what mania? Kofi Mania. It's a thing. Oh, no. I thought you were talking about coming back for rest. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, we're not going. No, 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 no racist, sexist Hulk Hogan today. Kofi Mania. So Tuesday on SmackDown, we get the opening and we have Shane O'Mac and Stephanie McMahon putting over Kofi 
extremely heavily while they forced Daniel Bryan to sit there in that terrible leather chair. Um, I thought that was leather. I thought it was hilarious. Just the look on Brian's face when Stephanie was very clear to point out that that was a leather chair. Like, I like that they actually kept the continuity going to where even though he's a heel, Stephanie McMahon still loathes Daniel Bryan, especially as the WWE champion. And you know what? And we were talking about creative control. We know Brian has that now. I, you know, I would bet if I had a hundred bucks in here right now, and I had to place it on something. I would put it on that. That was Brian's call. Absolutely. And he picked out that subtlety and was like, make sure you mention this. Yep. Throw this at me. Make me look like this hypocrite to get more heat on me. And especially the way Stephanie kept bringing up. And then he pinned the new Daniel Bryan. Like she, she kind of like put a little stank on it. Every time she brought up that Brian had been losing to Kofi. I thought that was a real nice touch. Dude, I, I like that. This should be a t-shirt. The Stephanie stank. The Stephanie stank. Hashtag Stephanie stank. Put some hashtag Stephanie stank on it. I like it. So right before Kofi's ready to sign the paper, which is one of the most ridiculous things in WWE history, like he should have just signed the paper. Oh, match is official. Can't do anything about it now. Vince McMahon comes out, switches out Kofi Kingston with Kevin Owens. Now, there's been some debate. I absolutely hated it. I'm curious as to your thoughts as to New Day's response to Kofi being taken out of this match because I was just like, they just, they were like, well, okay. And got out of the ring and just walked to the back. Like, yeah, they're selling disappointment there, but it's like, I would be pissed the fuck off. I I hated the initial, I hated the initial reaction from these guys. I want to go back to the announcement of Kevin real quick. Do you think that kind of bit them? They were, they wanted like straight booze. And that arena came unglued for a minute, and then they realized, oh, it's Kevin. Oh, shit, Kofi's out. (laughs) Like, they were lost for a minute. Like, there was that pop, and then there was that odd transition where they realized, like, oh, he's taking Kofi's spot. It was the yay boo. It was like Kevin Owens' music hit, and they're like, yay! Oh, boo! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, oh, shit. Kofi just got screwed. Shit. Uh, you know who? You know whose take I really want to hear on this. I wish we would have brought him on for this. Our, our new partners, our great new show on on our platform, man. The PW Hustle. Get Eddie, Eddie, one of those guys, and especially, especially you know the one that I'm talking about, the most racist man alive. Because I want to get his take. Because what it reminded to me, I saw three strong African Americans lowering their head and walking to the man. Damn right, man. That's very much how it came across. Uh, Kevin Owens. There was a little bit of, ooh, ooh. But, I mean, throw a tip. Like, get pissed off, right? Kick kick a rope. Something like that. Flip over a table. Get pissed off. Do something. Not just, oh, well, okay. That ain't fair, man. That ain't fair. But, okay. What? They just kind of pout. They kind of pout and stop their way. You know, like, that's something that that Levi and, and Quinn would do. No, actually, they would actually have more of a reaction if we if we took away their favorite toy. Oh my God! If I take away Quinn's NXT Championship belt, she'll throw herself on the floor and kick and scream, wake up the whole damn apartment building. My God! 
don't be touching that NXT, that NXT gold. No, she loves Goldie. Uh, so Kevin Owens comes out, and I thought it was played very, very well by Kevin Owens because at least initially you got no indication as to how his character felt about this. He played it very, very straight face, just comes out, gets in the ring, signs the paperwork, puts down the pen, and he's like, all right, this is it. Here we go. But I really liked it too. Okay, well, same old Kevin Owens. No new ring gear. No new merch. Not really, a, you know, a, a, he looked like I remember him. He's definitely kind of lost some weight. Oh, yeah, you know, outside, but we knew that going in. But yeah, he kind of, he goes lost out some there, weight, got some ink. Looks good. Goes in, sits down, does his business, and he's out. And, and you know, and what we know, think about most people, you know, that, and I liked how, and I liked how later the commentary put that over, you know, Saxon, this is unfair. And crazy and in defending Kevin Owens, he was like, come on, man, be real. You know, Saxon, if they came over here and offered you that, you're going to take this opportunity. And that's what you got. It was just straight business for Kevin Owens. Yep. Yep. Um, so baby face or heel, are you getting any kind of feel out of Kevin Owens? Because I mean, obviously we get, we get the backstage with Shane and Stephanie and he puts over Kofi and he says a man that he feels deserves a shot at the WWE championship. He would like to tag with him. We get into the tag match and he's absolutely Kofi's partner inside of the match. He's fighting hard. He's, he's fully engaged in the match. He doesn't screw Kofi over. And then after the match, they have a little bit of a moment there. And, and the way I kind of picked up on the dialogue was Owens telling Kofi, I'm going to make this right. You know, when it comes to Kevin Owens, though, you never know what you can trust. Yeah, but I, I pair all of this with the vignettes that they've been running. And we had talked about Owens versus Brian as a potential match at WrestleMania with Owens being that kind of every man. It makes a lot of sense. I, I don't know. I went back and watched a couple of those vignettes. And there's, there's just little examples in there where you see him kind of flip flopping. Just little subtle things in there where they got those those undertones. If you really pay attention, you can still see the Kevin Owens that we know. Yeah, you want to talk about if you can trust Kevin Owens, go ask individuals like a Sami Zayn or a Chris Jericho you know, how much you can trust him in the ring. Because he, he's also, we talk about Randy Orton being Randy Orton, being the snake to fire. Kevin Owens is Kevin Owens. You don't know what we're going to get here. Yeah, it says evil on his arm for a reason. I think that's the great dynamic of this. And that's what's going to really keep you interested going in the fast lane and the build and post fast lane. Now, I know the big debate is, you know, people thought that it might have been Kevin that was going to get the nod at WrestleMania. And they made a call to switch this thing. They want to give Kofi that big payoff, give him that big moment. We're hearing triple threat. What is the best fit for you, Jargo? Uh, I think Brian versus Kofi one-on-one is the match that I want to see the most. And I think that works the best for the situation right now. I mean, people are so hot behind Kofi. This is one of those great movements. I mean, this goes back and I know it's so sudden, you know, it's not like that drawn out, like Brian had his, but the enthusiasm is very similar. Yeah. I mean, Kofi's just red hot right now. And I, I do I do like something, and it makes sense when you break it down. And I know, you know immediately when people hear it, they get all fired up. But if you need something to do with Kevin at WrestleMania, 
you, you always have the great atmosphere or the, the great dynamic between those two. And, you know, you can get a solid 10, 12 minutes is to have him work with Sammy. Yep, I, and that's kind of my fear is that at Fastlane, Sami Zayn screws Kevin Owens. Your WrestleMania matches are Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan versus Kofi, which is the match that I want to see. Even though I think I think it's hilarious that you know I heard oh well Kevin Owens has been thrown into the main event of WrestleMania, and I was like, are you kidding me? That match is like seventh from the top. I, who I was talking, it was in, I think it was in the same discussion. You know, it was a, it was a great topic over on Facebook and the Hominy Media Group, and we were coming up from all angles. And, and Seth, going back to it, he really he, he laid it out. He said, "Let's let's let's go with go with this as a logical standpoint here. What else you got to do with him? You know, if he's not in that title match, what else do you have? So let's put him in a match. You know, it's going to work. People are going to cheer. It's going to hit big spots. And it's going to hold its spot on your undercard." And it gets you through WrestleMania, and then you move forward with those guys, whatever you're doing. It, it makes total sense there. I'm afraid that match ends up like a, a clusterfuck, fatal oh. four-way, six-pack challenge. Well, I'm, then, you know, think we're talking about Sammy. Maybe he gets added to this thing. We end up with a four-way so that we don't have two triple threats on this card. Yeah, I, I'm worried that they throw some kind you know, of... Well, and it, you know, I brought up in there, I said, it doesn't really matter. You know, outside of, like, if The Rock was going to take on Brian. You know, outside of that, this thing is going to be closer to pre-show than it is main event when we line this thing up. I even laid out a scenario to you the other day where AJ Styles gets thrown into this thing, where Kevin Owens actually comes back a babyface. He's a good, wholesome individual, and he feels bad about taking Kofi's title shot. And Vince McMahon is incredibly disappointed because Kevin Owens headbutted Vince McMahon, and he thought he was getting ruthless Kevin Owens. But no, he got pussy Kevin Owens instead. And so then he replaces Kevin Owens with AJ Styles because AJ Styles has ruthless aggression. He brought that out of him. And, you know, you turn AJ heel and you add him into this thing and you get a fatal four-way clusterfuck. I still... It's it's hard to avoid Kofi because that is so hot, and you want to give the fans really what they want heading the WrestleMania because you want to create the best possible atmosphere. I would have the conversation though if I'm in creative, I'd be pitching this thing. Get through Fastlane. I'm one of those. I'm a proponent of your biggest stars, your best talents in the biggest matches. I don't care about this brand stuff thing. Trying to fit a puzzle together. We got to get everybody on the card. You know, this isn't lollipop soccer to me. This isn't everyone gets a trophy. You got to build the best possible card for the people that you have in those positions. I would have a conversation about the night after Fast Lane. Daniel Bryan's out there running his mouth about whatever, and the big dog music hits. Hmm. He comes out. They said, hey, they said company-wide, I caught word, however you want to do it, they're looking for the best possible opponent for you at WrestleMania. My boy Seth, he's already taking, business, taking care of business with Brock Lesnar. I'm entitled to a championship-level rematch. I want yours, Daniel Bryan. Hmm. That would be an then interesting Bryan, pairing. Then Brian goes off into this view. You, you want to attack me? I'm trying to save the earth that made you sick, that almost took away your career, and you're coming at me, Roman Reigns? Uh, come on, baby. That's some gold right there. That's good stuff. Have, have Daniel, Daniel Bryan start blaming the audience. You people in your gluttonous ways, your, your pollution, your litter, your intoxication of your bodies is what caused Roman Reigns to go to the sidelines. It's all your fault. Get some heat on Brian right there. 
Let's talk about another guy that's got some heat, and his name is The Animal. Yeah, Batista is back. Uh, so we had Ric Flair's birthday celebration. We saw Batista beat the ever-loving hell out of Ric Flair. He has the game's attention now. The Animal wants to play the game. This match is going to happen at WrestleMania. I'm more excited for the build to the match than I am the match itself because I can't believe that this match is going to be good in 2019. Um, but I, I have to question this a little bit, Rick. Okay, now, number one... I want to say I thought the production of this segment was very well done. All right. I feel like the problem is inside of this story is we, we kind of have these roles completely reversed. I, I, I don't think when we heard Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania, anybody would have envisioned heel Batista versus a babyface Triple H. I, well, I think, you know, if we look at it in that small bubble, yes. But when we began to expand the picture and what they have moving forward, it makes much more sense. And, you know, the match itself, again, uh, William Alcea posed a great question following following Raw. Did this hook you? And, you know, and it was about split. You know, there was a lot of people that bought into it. They were excited to, to see Batista. They, they kind of got that pop from that surprise moment. You know, we had heard that he was coming back, but they had they did a good job of, with the swerves. He's not going to be able to. With the movies, hey, you always talk about, you know, the insurance deal, how much does it cover their, you know, cost their ass to cover these individuals coming back here. It was about split. But, you know, I threw out there, I said, well, define hook. Because as – as someone that's seen that match, that's been around 30 plus years watching this stuff, an actual match? No, it did not hook me. Now, I am interested in the build, as you are. We, we Let's assume, you know, we don't think they're each going to be there every week. I mean, Batista's got things he's got to do. He's got promotions and things to, to run with. Well, I mean, uh, we're only a little a month over away from Mania. Right. So if, if we can get two or three out of him. Yeah. And China... In Triple H, uh, maybe not so much lately, uh, but typically he can carry something on, you know, on the program to get you heated up. While Batista's not there, it, it does sound like Batista is going to make a, a great effort to, you know, to really buy into this program, though. But so I, I'm interested in that. But then the bigger hook is every WrestleMania you have a match like this. It's on the marquee to appeal to those casuals, people, you know the member berries, you know, people that are coming back just for mania people that, you know, the girlfriend or your friends that, that aren't following this thing, Batista that he's back wrestling or, or even, Oh, I didn't even know he was a wrestler. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that the guy, isn't that the guy from, uh, what, what, what's he in the, 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 guy from the guardians of the galaxy? Yeah. Isn't that that Drax guy? He's a wrestler. And, and, and I think that's part of my issue with this program is, well, and, question is do you think that will hook those people no because i think it confuses them um and especially the younger fans uh and i i guess this is one of those things where you know i have a five-year-old watching the show and she wanted to know why drax beat up charlotte's dad because that's that's how she knows rick flair it's funny that you said that because uh strangler steve had mentioned that in the locker room from wednesday that, that someone had said to him, why? Oh, maybe it was Billy Ray had brought it up and the other two couldn't believe it. But one of, one of the three, one of the three tremendous talents from the Wednesday locker room where someone had asked them, like, why is that guy beating up Charlotte's dad? And they're, and they're like, 
what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's, it's Ric Flair. He's one of, arguably, arguably one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, but there's an entire generation now watching that doesn't know that. I mean, when was HBK versus Flair? When was the the I love you, I'm sorry, super kick? Okay, so oh, maybe, seven? maybe that adds to why Triple H is the good guy. Because well, I, here, comes, here comes this big monster uh, attacking his hero, his idol. Poor Charlotte's dad. But we know Triple H. We, we're, f- we're familiar with him. He's the boss around here. He, doesn't he do something with that NXT? Well, I guess that's the good news here is Hunter has finally kind of become one character. I feel like all of the different versions of Triple H have finally aligned into one person. And I think that's the good news. The question is, how long can we keep it there? Well, well you, you think you've got one. But when or how soon till we see Leather Jacket Hunter? Because then you know shit's about to hit the fan. Yeah, but Leather Jacket Hunter is coming out to fight on behalf of the nature boy, Ric Flair, who can't climb that mountain anymore because he's 70 years old. The best news for WWE in this entire program is you have one opportunity. There's one last opportunity to have the nature boy himself come out and fire up Triple H and cut one of those legendary go-home promos for fucking Wrestlemania you have that opportunity just give the nature the mic say you got 10 minutes and let him be woo, the nature boy I, I like that man let him go out there get this thing over on it and that should be the go home for this thing absolutely that should be the go home for the whole goddamn thing <laughs> Just cancel SmackDown. We're closing it all with Flair. Yeah, we're closing everything with Flair. You know what? It's a three-hour pre-show of Flair selling this match. That's right. Even NXT, Ric Flair's going to go down to full sale and cut a promo. First time I've been in Florida since the 70s. Ric Flair's pulling the old, uh, <laughs> we're going to full sale. Woo! <laughs> we're going to New York. Woo! All right. I guess the next question out of this entire thing. But keeping Hunter, but the reason Hunter is face here too, we have to, we have to remember we have crazy old Vince story on the horizon too, yep. where it looks like the kids and Paul are going to be positioned as the babies. So we don't, want to do, we don't want to do that quick switch, you know, the night after media where, Oh, okay. Now cheer me because kooky old pops is up there spouting off, you know, orders. Yep, 25th Amendment. We're throwing it into effect. Uh, Rick, I have one more question regarding the animal Batista on here, and I think this this sounds like a ridiculous question. Can Batista save the WWE? And I think he can. I really think he can. All right? If Hunter is putting all of his friends in charge of the WWE now, I think we need Dave Batista to save the WWE. Not necessarily on screen, I want Dave Batista to be the executive vice president of what the fuck, because, you know, Dave Batista is a really, really smart guy who has that director's eye. And we talk about the production value that went into this thing, regardless if you like it or not, the way that this thing was shot, the way that it was produced with Batista dragging the cameraman and another cameraman running down the hallway, capturing the whole thing. You're hearing what's going on inside of the locker room, but you're not seeing it because what's going on in your mind is so much better than what they can show you. This thing was masterfully done. And I credit Dave Batista for that. 
Hey, I'm with you 100%. Everyone's kind of already praising, oh, this had to be Pritchard. No, this probably had to be the guy that is a breakout Hollywood star yep. who, you know, who just recently said he's not interested in like the rock kind of, you know, roles where sure they're, they're big blockbusters. He wants to work with the true geniuses of the industry yep. because he's, an absorbing, guy. he's absorbing that information. And that is what we saw there. Yeah, it, it looked great. I mean, the production value, regardless if you like the angle or not, it looked great. I think he looked great. I mean, we're talking about YC the heel. He looked absolutely vicious. He looked terrifying when they did that close-up over him, and he was asking if he, if he had their attention yet. Batista's uh, really good, man. I think Batista's a very understated actor. I, I got two, two, just two more points on this thing. Do we see Orton involved at all? I don't think so, because I think it's going to end up being Orton and Styles. We'll talk a little bit about that in segment two. Well, I, I kind of think going back, though, to when they had the, the Evolution reunion, remember how nonchalant and Orton was removed from it? He was the jokester. So it was kind of like, hey, this is great, guys. I'm done with this. This is the vibe you get there. Now, the, what I mentioned about, you know, we're talking about the artiste in, in Batista, uh, and he takes that shot. I wouldn't, it, didn't, it wasn't necessarily a shot. I think just because it, it maybe it sounded negative, people ran with it. But it was, hey, man, he, he said The Rock's great. I can't argue with it, man. He's number one in Hollywood, but this is the direction I want to go. They set things up. Everyone's thinking that Triple H goes over here. I wonder if in the back of their minds, they, they've got it going here. Next year's WrestleMania, Rock versus Batista for that big marquee that that, that draws people back. It's Your absolutely possible. Stars. Uh, how do you suppose Randy Orton feels about the angle on Monday? Do you think Orton sides with uh, Team Game, or do you think Orton signs with Team Animal? Randy Orton sides with Team Randy Orton. Randy Orton don't give a fuck. Yeah, but there is one thing that Randy Orton does give a fuck about, and and that's very well established, and that's Ric Flair. That's why I'm curious how Randy Orton would feel about this. I mean, I could see a situation where Dave Batista at some point catches an RKO from nowhere. Just for the nature boy. Just saying. Let's talk about Ronda Rousey. Um, as good as the Batista thing was, that the, then there's this. Then there's this. There is this hot, this hot, steamy pile of dog shit. Okay, well, let's talk about what happened on TV, and then we'll talk about what happened off of TV. So we see Becky Lynch get arrested, and this was my absolute cringe moment of the WWE week was when Stephanie McMahon let out with Becky did this to Becky, which was obviously a direct homage to Brett screwed Brett. Uh, I, I, I thought this entire thing was just so freaking poorly done. And then it happened, Huckleberry. I told you this was going to happen freaking weeks ago. But those, you know, I, I don't even think I've ever said this publicly. But the Mark Tards. That's right. You dubbed the phrase weeks ago. The Mark Tards. They started chanting triple threat. I told you this was going to happen. This was all about, no, we're not adding Charlotte to the match. We're adding Becky to the match. We're giving you what you want, even though they had the organic story all the way around. It, it, it just, oh, why did they do this? I'll tell you what, as hot as this, as hot as I am on this thing, it warms my heart. Absolutely warms my heart that Mark Tart is finally catching on. I got you using it. Bella was using it. 
Hashtag work hard. We, we are rolling. This is a movement now. Going back, you had called this thing. This was a little bit of reverse psychology by them. And, and, and kudos to them because it got past most of the sheep. They didn't see it. They were blind to this thing. You called it from the get-go. And in the moment when they actually got this crowd to chant triple threat, think about what was going on in there. Rhonda's sitting there just berating Stephanie with, it's about me and Becky. I want Becky. I want Becky. I want Becky. And then she immediately says, the main event should be me, Charlotte, and Becky. And then as soon as she did that, that triggered the triple threat chance. Yep. They played them like a goddamn fiddle. Oh, and it drives me insane because it, it was so clear what they were doing and people just bought it hook, line and sinker. They're still buying it hook, line and sinker. They, they, this audience got played like Bob Kraft visiting a $30 whore. They fell right into this thing. Then we have Ronda Rousey laying down the Raw Women's Championship, just walks away from the championship, and that that was pretty much it. They, like, replayed it, but they never gave us any kind of an update as to what in the hell was going on with the Raw Women's Championship. You know, they, they actually they, they went to Stephanie and Hunter, and they kind of blew it off. They said, we'll have to talk about this later. We've got the birthday celebration. So, I mean, there wasn't – give us a big deal about it. I mean, this is a major happening. You've got you've – got, WrestleMania looming just weeks away and you've got you're hauling one individual off to jail who was your challenger who won your rumble who's one of your most beloved superstars and then you've got you've got Ronda your champion the one who came in that you know that wanted to overly be a part of the WWE universe who's been fighting for acceptance who wants to prove what a fighting champion truly is she's out there everywhere just lays down the strap and it's Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. That's no big deal. I guess I completely missed that segment. Um, and then we oh, had it, 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 happened, it happened like that. I mean, it was impassive. Alexa Bliss uh, lays her claim to the Raw Women's Championship. Um, of course, you and I had talked a couple of days ago. Was Alexa Bliss the biggest ball drop? thus far in 2019 and I had responded to you and I said well yeah until they pull Kofi out of this match at Fastlane and then they did that on Smackdown so I guess that's my bad for putting that bad juju out inside of the world but what do you think of Alexa Bliss and where she stands right now inside of the company I I know this is a conversation for later but I was thinking about that too and I could make an argument for Asuka yeah Asuka is another one that you could absolutely have on that list Okay, so a my my wrestling week has been so fantastic. WWE programming is giving us all of this to talk about. There's news everywhere going on. I made my debut on commentary with Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. The first main event that I called involved Brian Pillman Jr. But the the highlight of my pro wrestling week was a like on Twitter from one Alexa Bliss when I suggested that she should march her ass right down to that ring and just claim that championship for herself as the rightful Raw Women's Champion. Which which she is. I I, I like that very much. And then Tuesday on SmackDown, we saw Charlotte come out and say that Monday on Raw, she will be in attendance so that Vince McMahon can just hand her the Raw Women's Championship. Any chance that we get a Charlotte versus Alexa match Monday on Raw for the Raw Women's title? Nope. It's in Cleveland next Sunday at Fastlane for the vacant 
Raw Women's Championship. I like that. Wait, wait, wait. Where's Alexa Bliss from again? Right down the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I seemingly well, I remember where I'm, that. Where I'm, where, I'm sitting, where I'm sitting, she's up the road. But from Cleveland, she'll be down the road. So then which one of them comes out and breaks up that match so that there's no finish? Ronda Rousey and or Becky Lynch? Because I don't think there's any way that either Charlotte or Alexa wins the Raw Women's title. No, I, I agree. I think we get both. I think we get a melee, which also, but then, but then poses the question, Fatal does, does Alexa play herself into this thing? I mean, she has been one of the leaders in this division. Uh, she's still, I mean, that pop, it, it, it shocked me that she was still at that level, that pop she got at the Rumble. And she's only been in one televised match since then, and it was a tag match that was lost uh, the the following Monday after the Rumble in that uh, qualifying match for the uh, Women's Elimination Chamber Tag Team Championships. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, in, in a lot of ways, too, when I look at this thing, you know, it, it seems like this whole program is just losing steam. Uh, and I start to wonder if they're intentionally sabotaging this thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, even with Becky, I mean, they're just forcing you, you mentioned the Bret Hart comparison. There's obvious left and right with Stone Cold, you know, the, the bionic redhead getting arrested. The, the ginger you know, douchebag. <laughs> the, the, the so anti-authority. Here's the problem, though. She's not coming off like any of those greats. She's mimicking their actions, but she's not using their logic. Or their thought process. She's just acting out of control and it's biting her in the ass. Speaking of lack of logic, okay, so let's talk about off of TV. What the hell is Ronda Rousey's problem? You know, where this starts at, I get where she's coming from. And that that I get where she's coming from is actually what infuriates me the most. If she was just, just so stupid to it, that would be okay. I guess I can forgive ignorance, but she thinks that she is being over the top clever here. And I don't want to just say it's her. Someone has to be watching and okaying this, this BS because I mean, not that it happened once it's happened twice, three times now that, that we're seeing these back and forth. And I get, and I, and then this trickle down. So we've got her, we need to blame whoever's supposed to be monitoring her. And then here it is again, hashtag Mark Tarts that are trying to defend this and make sense of this thing. And and I get she's trying to – it goes back to what we were talking about with, with Roman Reigns. I'm going to live here. So, all right, great. You just told us that your heartfelt apology about freaking leukemia was scripted to you, and now you're going into your – you're going to business for yourself. When – in her mind, she's like, oh, I'm going to let the fans know – this is how intense it is. It's real now. It's real. It's not that she said fake. It's it's that she's now it's real. Well, it wasn't before. We, we weren't supposed to invest. But are we all just complete jackasses? Should we not even care? about So the rest of WrestleMania we shouldn't care about because that's not real enough for you. It's like she's trying to run two narratives that don't complement each other whatsoever. It's like there's the story going on on TV, and then there's the story going on on social media. I feel like the story on social media should be adding to the story on TV, not its own completely different story. I, I told over at Last Word on Pro Wrestling, Mr. Jamie Greer, fantastic job. If you're not checking 
looking out their website daily. You need to be over there. Some of the, the best features covering every promotion, uh, anything that you need to know in the world of professional wrestling, you're going to find out over there. That's what on pro wrestling. This guy's doing it. I, I don't, does he sleep? I, I mean, no. I mean, it, it's just incredible the content that he, that he comes up with. Yeah, it, it's not uncommon for me and Jamie to have a conversation at four o'clock in the morning while I'm at work. I mean, the, no, the dude never sleeps. Neither does Ryan K. Bowman over at thegorillaposition.com. I was going to say, though, those guys are like PCO. They're just they're not even human, man. They're, they're machines. These guys are journalist machines is what they are. You know, but I was, hey, but I was flipping out about how they when they announced Ronda and Ruby on Twitter. Yep. This is this is terrible. Yeah, and, and, he, and he came to the defense and he's like, well, more people will go to their social media than watch the show. I said, that's the problem. You should be teasing it on social media. So it's working. So you drive it to what's making you money. They're not making money how many people read a freaking tweet. They're, they're making money off their advertisers who tune into their program. You, you should have Ruby fire off on Twitter with a video and say, you, wanna, you really want to hear what I think? You want to see the rest of this? Tune in Monday. That's that's the problem there. They should be using the social media to feed into what we're getting on the program. But like you're saying, I, I feel like we're watching two different soap operas with the same cast here. Yep. That's very much the way that it feels to me. And, and going back with, with Rhonda here, and her intention is, oh, I'm going to make it. They're going to think this is real. This is real hate because I'm a real fighter. I'm a badass. I'm the baddest woman on the planet. They're going to they're gonna buy it. And I hate Becky Lynch. Well, no. Now you just exposed everything else. You exposed all the rest of the business. Now you look petty. Now you look foolish. You look damn right stupid is what you look. No one's buying in this thing. And I kind of like that Becky's no selling it. She ain't firing back with anything breaking who she is. Yeah. Yeah. When she called out the fake police photos, it was just like, come on. Come on. Just stop. And then people, well, we, we know it's not real. Yeah, well, you know, Heath Ledger wasn't the Joker, but you know what? He bought into the character, so so did you. Well, this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have storylines and characters that made professional wrestling great. That's the reason, you know, when I heard when I heard that Vince brought Pritchard in for that reason, I popped because, you know what? That's the wrestling I like. I like to buy into a character. I like to invest into a story. But the people that are buying into this are these, you know, these spot marks, these spot monkey mark tards. You know, if those guys are looking for a spot, get out of get out of my professional wrestling. You want to go enjoy a spot? Enjoy a spot up on the highway in Syracuse. So let's go ahead and throw it over to the break. When we come back, we've got some more raw notes. We've got some SmackDown notes. We're going to talk about the revival as well as everything going on in NXT. Where's Tommaso Ciampa? Lacey Evans watch 2019 Huckleberry's about ready to pop that's for sure in more ways than one this is Mayday with their new song Confidence off the new album Thin Line Part 2 we'll be right back it ain't your pedigree it ain't the fancy way you speak it's more than how you like to dress it's more than just your kiss And I feel it from the back of my mind Everything you do got a groove Make me wanna say who could really be this fine Who could really walk this line Keep me feeling in my prime 
I just wanna kick it for a minute, won't you stay? Let me feel it, all I need is time Running, just trying to find me, get someone that doesn't wanna elope Everything you're doing is superhuman, I'm finding the vibe that you And I wanna just come and love you below But I know that newly pursuing even the video you ruin Could maybe possibly ruin you in the notes So I'm trying to sing along with you and put some pain on the picture So we can put it together, truly I hope see this whole thing Got me mesmerized, minute hand fly with a second try. I know you could find you a metro guy who got next in line and likes exercise But I'm the lector kind, I like extra fries, I get wrecked and drive I might stress at times, but ain't nobody perfect so let's just vibe And pour two big shots with some flesh of lime I got friends that been telling me to keep on moving They been telling me to keep on choosing I just think that they scared of your movement And the fact you a full-time student But not me, I'm the opposite I got goals of my own that I got to get I want prominence, so give me all of it You see, they probably split, but I like confidence It ain't your pedigree It ain't the fancy way you speak It's more than how you like to dress It's more than just your kiss It's more than obvious that what it is It's hard to miss and that's your confidence It's just your confidence It's more than just one thing It's more than just your kiss It's more than obvious that what it is It's hard to miss and just your confidence It's hard to put in words They all really never hit the nerve They all fall short of the curve When I ask what it is I shoot them a grin and I act like it's over my head But deep down, yo, I know what it is Even though there ain't words to fit Something in the way you like to act Got me getting sacked like a quarterback And I ain't never gonna miss the fact that When you're around, it's a heart attack I'm just sprung off your waist been strung out for days Yo, love like a drug in my veins Something like a rush to my brain They all think they can replicate the recipe But nah, they can never seem to get to me Can't catch a natural energy They all fall short like they some enemies And it comes off effortless It's hard to explain what it is All I know is it got me coming back Time and time again Give me just a hit It ain't your pedigree It ain't the fancy way you speak more than how you like to dress It's more than just your kiss It's more than obvious that what it is It's hard to miss and that's your confidence It's just your confidence It's more than just one thing It's more than just your kiss It's more than obvious that what it is It's hard to miss and that's your confidence Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Salutations. This is Dalton Castle, and you're listening to Hitting the Marks. Oh, 
I get it, it's a pun. So we're back for segment two. That was a word from our boy Stevie Richards, Stevie Richards Fitness. Huckleberry, uh, before we jump into segment two, I wanted to talk about ourselves a little bit because, you know, that's something that we don't get to do nearly often enough. Um, we, no, uh, we never talk about ourselves. We, we never talk about ourselves, <laughs> but we, we've kind of uh, undertaken this this new venture a little bit called the HTM Podcast Network. And I wanted to tell uh, some people about a couple of the things that we got coming up. Obviously, we've had the Impact Press Pass. That's been on the feed now for a while. Had some big news break today on the Impact Press Pass that Rosemary has re-signed with Impact Wrestling for two years. I think that's a great signing for them. Obviously, we've had HTM Sports on there for a little while now. Uh, and over the past couple of weeks, we've introduced the Wrestle Popcast as well as the PW Hustle. Of course, the Hustle's been around for a while, but it's, it's finding a new home here on the HTM Podcast Network. And then in the next week or so, we have a couple more shows getting ready to debut. Of course, I'm talking about Turnbuckle Talk with our friends Joe and Carl. That They join us as well over at the Roar Network. That show is going to be dropping, I believe, on Wednesdays. And uh, just the other day, we got a confirmation from our good friend, Mr. Athers. Tables, Athers, and Chairs is going to be coming to the HTM Podcast Network. And that's going to be a look kind of at the entire European pro wrestling wrestling scene because I think Joe actually watches more pro wrestling than I do, which is uh, quite the accomplishment. But we're, we're really trying to make some changes here and bring the best in podcasting to all of our listeners. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, very excited to be moving forward with, with this, this great, uh, not just venture, adventure, if you will. I, I think we've, we've, we've assembled so far a very diverse team. Uh, we're kind of and I like, you know, we've got a, a little bit of something for everyone. And even when you break down these individual shows, you're going to find uh, so many unique personalities and how they approach the world of professional wrestling. You know, obviously, as you were saying, the PW Hustle, they, I mean, they've been around well-established so many years, a tremendous following. You know, we're talking about all this free agency, you know, setting up in the, in the NFL and and in baseball and all that, you know, in the world of wrestling podcasting, I, I think that we we hit a home run locking these guys down. Tremendous personalities, about as real as you're going to get when, when it comes to podcasting. These guys hold no punches. Uh, they're going to be a major boost. Definitely Robin not Mello. a carpool show. Don't listen to that one with your kids. But if you do want to listen to a pro wrestling podcast with your kids in the car, that's what we got turnbuckle talk for. That's what Joe and Carl do. Hey, they are... Uh, they are your friendly Canadian friends to the north. Uh, they, they keep it nice and clean. But what you got there, I mean, you've got, you know, Big Joe. You know, he's been following the world of professional wrestling 30-plus years. He, he really prides himself on, you know, analyzing and observing, you know, that technical side. Then you got Carl, who's actually, man, he's been in there. He is a trained professional. The guy knows what he's talking about. He's, he's run the ropes. He's lived the life. Gives you some great insight there. Robin Nelson, he's been with us. You guys, are, you're starting to figure out about him. He has uh, an infectious you know, passion for pro wrestling. He loves getting out there and, and talking to the stars, meeting the people. Robin is, is actually a, a close friend of mine. I go to shows with him on a regular basis. I, I don't even know where he goes because he's out mingling with the people. He, he's out there talking, talking to the stars. Hell, last week we're at Future Great Wrestling during the intermission, and there was more people kind of around him clamoring to ask him questions that there were at the tables of the stars on the show. 
Yeah, he, he does a great job in just knocking it out of the park with all of these interviews. He had Austin Gunn on this week's show. Well, and then, to the vault. And then you're talking about our, our newest edition. You know, Joe, Joe Atherton, Joe Atherton, man. When we actually first had him on, he came on as a correspondent for us for the NXT UK takeover. And immediately when we hung up the phone, I was like, man, this guy has it. This guy, he's been he's been inside the Hami Media Group for a long in the discussion group and so much untapped potential. We got to find a spot for him. And of course we reached out to him, you know, through, through our new, the hitting the marks podcasting network. And, and he was all about it. Yeah. Uh, so a, a tremendous addition. And I think, you know, it, it, and I, I've been telling you know, this weekend, we're going to have some internal stuff getting released and, you know, our audience is going to learn more in the upcoming weeks you know, what we're all about, what we're trying to present and bring to the table. It's going to, it's going to be very exciting. Good stuff. Exciting times. Nice to see you. You know, the Hameen media platform has grown so big that now in order to get all of these shows out in in a regular timely basis, we have to kind of brother with the Hameen media platform because there's just so many shows at this point. It's great stuff. If, If you're ever bored between these two podcasting networks, and then we've got the roar network as well. There's no reason that you should ever be listening to anything other than the sounds of our voices inside of your ear holes. Well, yeah, you know, I think too, I'm glad you brought that up that we're we're branching off. There is no intentions on our end to leave the Hami media group. This came with a blessing from Ben. You know, he he kind of acknowledged things are growing for everyone and we kind of need to umbrella that and, and branch out. And we approached him and said, hey, would you mind if, you know, if we if we kind of see if we can handle something like this? And it came with his blessing and all of his support. So going forward, you know, anything that we need, I, I feel comfortable saying that he'll be there. And for the foreseeable future, I guess from our end, for everything that I know, we're, you'll be hearing us Mondays in the locker room as part of the Hami Media Group. And the same thing with the Roar Network over at the GorillaPosition.com. Just trying to, to branch out and get more ears, get more listeners. And then, of course, Jamie over at Last Word on Pro Wrestling syndicating our stuff. Exciting times ahead for 2019. As well as WWE. They had more stuff that went down on Raw and SmackDown this week. I just didn't think that it was worthy of segment one. But there was some stuff worth talking about. And I want to start off with the Revival. The Revival taking a pin for the second week in a row to NXT Talent. They win these titles. And the next two weeks, they're jobbing out to NXT Talent. Rick, what are they doing with the tag division on Monday Night Raw? You know what? I always I always love referencing the great conversations that we have over on Facebook and the Hameen Media Group. And to link this again, what you were just talking about, we were on the Hameen platform and I was having the conversation with Jamie or he was involved in it. There was a couple of us. Adam Rivera was involved in there. And we're talking about, and you know, from, from our standpoint, so people that are on the inside and the question is, it's like, what the hell are we doing? I mean, why, why is this, why are the revival a joke again? You know, what's going on here? Why are, why are they jobbing out essentially to NXT guys? And Jamie threw out a, a point. He's got some good friends that are more casual. They don't read the sheets. They don't have the inside information we have. They just they tune in every week for the enjoyment of it. They turn it off when it's over. They don't really think about it until it's time to turn it back on. They don't see the revival that way. They just see it as these. this is how hot these young rookies are that they're coming up and taking down the revival. I get that. I get that. But it runs a little deeper to me. Because if I'm watching anything, any it doesn't have to be WWE. If I'm watching any kind of program and I see someone 
they're supposed to be like the top, the elite, and they're continually getting downgraded, downgraded. I'm not going to take them serious. I'm going to look at them as, yeah, they're losers. And it's not so much the ascension. It, it doesn't. Speaking of them, when are they going to change their fucking gimmick? Change their clothes or something. My God. But, but it's not just the revival. It's the championships and the division. Yeah. It's the entire division. So Alistair Black and Ricochet this week take down the revival. Then on Tuesday, they turn around and take down Nakamura Day. And that was even, you got two former United States champs. At least they're not a tag team. And they're not a tag team champs that have been, you know, beating their chests for the better half of five years. We are the definition of tag team wrestling. We're taking it old school. We're bringing it back. I, I, I can see that there, picking off those two. I looked at the revival over the last year. They're 13 and 19. And half of those wins are against the Lucha House Party. Ouch. That's just awful. And you know, the, the, the problem is the thing about the revival is in order for the revival to work, they need to be out there having, you know, 10 to 15 minute matches. They can't do what makes them so good in three to four minutes. Well, they can't tell they're, they're not spot monkeys. They have to be able to the ring generals. They have to be able to tell a story with their ring work. They're going to go in there. They're going to show you how to, to quick tag in and out, to cut the ring off, to you know position your opponent. That match, this wasn't about any of that. This wasn't about highlighting the revival. This was about, Ooh, they got, they got fancy titles. Let's let these other two go hit all their spots. Yeah, I would have been fine with this if the Revival were not the Raw Tag Team Champions. That's that's what really rubs me the wrong way with the whole thing. And that's 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 the that's the cherry on top is that they're supposed to be representing a division as the champions. And why are we using them here? Why isn't this the Revival? Why is the Revival in the back dicking around with heavy machinery? Right. Why why can't the B Squad? They're perfect. Where's the Both. B Team? So yeah, I mean, where's the B Team here? You want. You've got Dallas and Axel. You want someone to go out there and make young, young up, up and comers good. Teach them the ropes. Those are the two to do it. Not your champs. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, let's talk about some more of the NXT talent. Johnny Gargano, uh, as best as I could see, the only appearance that he had on WWE TV, the main roster this week, was that little backstage thing that they, he had with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels basically being like, hey, this is Johnny Gargano. This is my guy. I like Johnny Gargano. Kind of start, cheering, start cheering him when he comes out. Yep. Uh, or start doing something when he comes out. I, I did not spot Tommaso Ciampa on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live. Uh, it had been advertised that it was going to be Johnny Gargano taking on Cesaro on SmackDown. I was actually very, very excited for that match, and Ciampa was going to be in Gargano's corner. That match obviously didn't happen as we had the return of the Hardy Boys, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Um, what do you make of this, if anything? You know, I'm not sure. I know that NXT is touring Ohio this weekend. Uh, they are starting, you know, we're recording here on Thursday. They're running Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and possibly Sunday. Uh, I wonder if they will be on those cards. Because you got to think, you know, if they're making, I mean, that's no reason that they wouldn't be there on Tuesday. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see what their, you know, what their level of activity is for this tour. You know, is something up with one of them? Are they maybe concerned that they're not getting the reaction that they hoped that they would? It, and I mentioned this, you know, the very first time out with those two, the way they shot DIY was a complete disservice to both of those incredible talents. They stayed on that 
that far wide hard, which makes it look like the WWE universe is miles away. And it looks, it makes it look like you're out in the universe. I mean, they're so far away. The ring looks like it's shooting. Like you're, is it like a weird, like side down? So everything looks smaller. I mean, those two looked like Sasha and Bailey in the ring during that match. It did them absolutely no favors. And I think they realized that because black had his debut later and they made sure they were close and they were cutting real quick with him. So they made him look good. Yeah. It's interesting. It's going to be uh, fascinating to see where that story goes. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about Gargano and Ciampa here in just a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Finn Balor and Leo Rush. Uh, Rick, I had a lot of issues with this one. A lot of issues with this one. Uh, and it wasn't even the match because I think these two guys actually have pretty good chemistry together. My problem was the commentary. When Mitchell Cole is putting over that this was a gutsy win for Finn Balor, you know, that works against somebody like Drew McIntyre, who's been established as a menace on the main roster. But a gutsy win over Leo Rush, who is basically nothing more than the hype man to Bobby Lashley. That's, this actually lowers Finn Balor. It doesn't elevate anybody. And it wasn't any fault of Balor. It was no fault of Rush. It was all in the commentary and how the match was put over. Well, I think, you know, just outside of commentary, this thing was was off of the tracks from off the rails from the beginning with the little interaction with little sexy bliss trying to do her little flirtatious thing about the abs. I'll show you. And then he comes. I mean, immediately it's kind of like I did. The only thing I told you about this, I did like Graves. I kind of thought because I just thought it was stupid funny when he started yelling no. But the whole point and you you kind of corrected me on this. You said, dude, I got a four year old sitting here watching this. Right. I explain this crap to her. That see, it makes sense. I don't see it from that side. So I kind of thought, I thought it was kind of funny, but I thought it was the line itself was cheesy, and it's like, stop doing this. In my mind, it was like, be that way or don't be that way. I don't have an issue with it if it serves a purpose and it fits the characters, and this didn't either. Yeah, it, it's just a reason to try to get Bliss out there to move something forward. And you're talking about what they call a gutsy win. Yes, a gutsy win. You know how hard pressed you would be to find another opponent that Finn Balor outweighs by 40 pounds. I mean, Leo Rush is all of 150. This is a gutsy win here for him. And what, and they, what they should have done, they should have been putting over the resiliency of Leo Rush and how game Leo Rush was. He really brought the battle to Balor. You know, maybe maybe Leo Rush is something the more that we need to be paying attention to instead of just looking at him as the hype man for Bobby Lashley. You could have elevated Leo Rush in a loss to Finn Balor, but the way it was framed on the commentary, the way the commentators were produced, it actually lowered both talents through no fault of the talents, Dean. Looking in the narrative, this match should never happen. Nope, never. And it was, a, like you said, it was a great little match. Uh, not for the Intercontinental Championship. It should have been for the 205 Championship. That would have, hey, have been a talk of the town. They would have done this thing for the purple strap. But inside this narrative where you're trying to build Finn is this giant slayer. And now he's getting gutsy wins against a 150 pound hype man. Yep. That is absolutely, absolutely pathetic. And and that's, that's the most important part about that's the storyteller. That's our narrator. But even, even taking that out of it, 
we don't need to see Finn beating him up like this or even getting pushed to a limit like this. And I'm not trying to knock Leo. I'm not saying that they don't have a great dynamic together. It doesn't fit the story. Yep. And that's the problem. Let's throw things over to SmackDown. A couple of notes to talk about on SmackDown Live this week. Number one, the U.S. title. R-Truth just knocking it out of the park. You know, he's always looked up to John Cena ever since he was a little boy. I popped so freaking hard for that line. It was just... R-Truth is something to behold. The, the, The way that he does it with a wink and a nod to the audience... Is just fantastic. His timing is great. We if I, if a year ago I would have told you that our truth would have been the savior of the United States Championship, would we still be on the air together? Nope. Um, <laughs> hell, man, I'm not even opposed to a match between John Cena and our truth at WrestleMania for the U.S. title at this point. If that was the the beginning uh, I, of a build, I'm all in. Hell with it. Little, we haven't seen little Jimmy, so little Jimmy goes to Cena and makes a wish to see. R Truth versus Sita. Hey, that's hey. If R Truth better be pitching that if he wants to make the main show. And furthermore, those two guys work together really, really well. If you remember going back to what was it, 2011, they had a feud for the title. I think, I think if you re, if you wanted to put together that comedy spot for WrestleMania, that actually is going to get some attention. That people will, you know, most of the time when you see that comedy act like that. Immediately, you know, we're like, oh man, this part of the show. I think people have got to perk up for that. Yep. I, I want to get behind it. I want to see our truth continue the John Cena open challenge until John Cena answers the open challenge at WrestleMania. That just, it seems like a story that writes itself, right? I actually, I want him to answer it like in two weeks or three weeks out so we can get some vignettes between these two, some interaction on television and just not have it happen at WrestleMania. I feel like the only reason that R-Truth was on TV was number one for a seven-second dance party. There you go. Uh, Number two was to advance the story between Andrade Cien Almas. That's right. I'm still using his full name because just Andrade is stupid. Versus Rey Mysterio Jr., that's right, Junior, not just Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio Junior. Uh, these two guys, this is going to be like an opening match at WrestleMania, is it not? I mean, it sure feels like that's what this is all building to. The question is, is it going to be hair versus mask? If it doesn't have a gimmick, it doesn't make the main card. That's what I'm afraid of, and I and if I, and I don't, and that's still in doubt. And it should make the main card because it it might be the best match at WrestleMania as I'm looking at some of the matches that are lining up for Mania. This might fall into one of those things where you'd almost, would you rather be the main event of the pre-show knowing you're getting the time to go do what you want to do? Depends on the way my contract is phrased and if I get paid for Blu-ray royalties. Thank you, Austin Aries. I think that's, I think they fixed that since that whole thing came came front and center wouldn't surprise me uh let's talk hey hold on a minute now who goes over at wrestlemania art truth or cena depends on how much you're gonna have john cena around i mean that's really what it comes down to you think you think cena would put our truth over for the united states championship at wrestlemania depends on the story i mean I, i i could see a scenario where that happens i could absolutely see a scenario where that happens what if we go all the way back Remember when Rick Rude took the title, the Intercontinental Championship from Warrior? Do you remember Heenan, Heenan grabbing Warrior's leg? Mm-hmm. 
What if we got that scenario and little Jimmy grabs Cena's leg? Oh, that would be something. Um, I, I, I could also see, you know, where they're and then Car- and Carmella was banging little Jimmy. What if they're just about ready to lock up and all of a sudden the gong goes off and John Cena is petrified and he turns around with the horror and the memory of last year's WrestleMania. Our truth just rolls him up and we build to uh, John Cena versus Undertaker next year at WrestleMania. I would rather have Undertaker like possess our truth. I would rather have Undertaker versus Joey Ryan. Uh, let's talk about Lacey Evans. I heard that conversation's coming up. <laughs> Let's talk about Lacey Evans. Let's talk about Lacey Evans. There you go, Huckleberry. You get your own music for the Lacey Evans segment now. No more Charlotte music. It's all Lacey Evans music. Let's talk about things coming up, shall we? Let's talk about Lacey Evans on the rise, which should be no surprise to anyone. Just look into her eyes. I mean, she, she is a true alpha. She has everything that you need to be a top-notch superstar. All right, and that's the end of Lacey Evans' watch. Uh, let's talk about the Hardy Boys. Oh, I can go on here, man. Let's, I mean, I oh, no, I mean, you only here. get about 10 seconds because that's all the more that she's on TV. You know, you just get a quick appearance for Lacey Evans' watch, and then it's over. Oh, well, t- t- teaser for next week, then. I'm going to to give you mega Lacey Evans. Something to look forward to. The Hardy Boys return. They, they, they spoil the bar's fun once again. This seems to be the Hardy's return gimmick now. They just come hey, out and ruin the bar. how about for a gimmick, man? I like it. Uh, but more importantly, did you see the WWE.com interview with the Hardys backstage? Oh, I didn't. Why didn't you send this to me? Uh, well, because there was nothing really to talk about. Matt Hardy basically <laughs> why, just. Why the fuck are we talking? Well, because the fact that there's nothing to talk about is what there is to talk about. Matt Hardy basically is completely fine. Uh, the, The Hardy boys are back to prove once again that they are the greatest tag team champions in all space and time. He has uh, learned how to harness his woken condition so it's no longer an issue. He actually did say that. But it, yeah, it's just like this is Matt Hardy from the Hardy boys. There is no woken Matt Hardy. So we're just actually we're hitting the reset button. Yep, it's just straight up Hardy Boys. Team Extreme is back. Yep. Hey, I want to. Hey, I'll give you this. I don't know how I really feel about that. I guess I'll let it play out. I I trust in the Hardys. Uh, I guess, but he looked amazing. Yeah, Matt that's looks great. That's the best he has looked in a long, long time. Yep, Matt looks absolutely great. Uh, AJ Styles met Randy Orton backstage. Thank God he didn't shake hands with him. Uh, so Randy Orton. Uh, wants to know what it is that AJ Styles built, evidently. That seems to be the Vipers issue. It, we had heard rumored forever that it was going to be Randy Orton versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania. We all just kind of assumed that it would be for the WWE Championship. It seems that they're going to go forward with that match, although I think they could still pivot out of it, and there is options for both of these guys. AJ Styles versus Randy Orton, WrestleMania, what do you think? Fourth, fifth match on the card? Yeah, and I'm really surprised. It just doesn't do a whole lot for me. Just the, I, I guess I can get behind the, you know, because where Randy's been, he, he's been trying to take down like the darlings and all this. And this is kind of a, a an attack on him. This guy's been running around claiming, uh, who is AJ Styles to Randy Orton in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, all these people love you. Yeah, you caught a little fire. Dude, you were, you know, this goes back to what you're selling. You, you were dot, dot, diving in bingo halls, wrestling in front of, 500 people. I was on world tour selling out stadiums. I get behind that, but 
I guess if they had time, if Randy brought his A game, this could be something that, you know, a must see. I just don't know how excited I'm going to be going into the thing. Well, and the biggest question is how excited is Randy Orton going into this thing? I think you're absolutely right. But this does have all the potential to be one of those classic Randy Orton matches because AJ creates a lot of motion. There's a lot of movement with a lot of what he's doing. Randy can hit big spots. AJ's got great timing. If Orton's motivated, this could make it all the way up to three and a half stars. I wonder, too, you know, if this is one of those times, like, because Randy hasn't been doing a lot here. You know, even in the chamber, it was about just hitting that spot. He's been just about the RKO's here. So maybe it is, hey, man, hey, Randy, give us all you got here at WrestleMania, and then you're going to get one of those sabbaticals that, you know, that we've been hearing that he's had worked into this contract. Yep. Let's go ahead and throw things over to NXT. Well, I guess what the, what the rumor there with Randy is that he's going to be taking that title sometime in the summer for the Raw move, right? That's one of the big rumors. That's one of the big rumors. But everything feels so in flux when it comes to creative at this point that I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into any I rumors know. right I, now. I could, I could see I could see going into Fox. You get the big bad heel, Randy Orton champ, and, I, and I'd love to see, see Miz chasing. Yeah, I, I really like Miz in the uh, world title picture going into the SmackDown on Fox show. Let's talk about NXT. We've got some big developments out of NXT this week. Start things off with the Dusty Classic. That's right. The Dusty Classic is back. We've announced the rest of the teams inside of the Dusty Classic. And number one is DIY. The show kicks off with Johnny Gargano coming out, and he cuts his promo and admits that he's Johnny Failure. Ciampa comes out and informs Johnny, hey, man, you know, You're nothing without me. That's really what this comes down to. I think that we have both learned over the course of this test of time, we need each other. And when we are together, we are unbeatable. So let's do it. Let's enter the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Me and you, let's go to take over New York. Let's win these tag team titles. Tommaso Ciampa extends his hand and Johnny Gargano shakes it. DIY is back together and Full Sail comes unglued. Boy, this would have been so much better if this hadn't happened on the main roster two fucking weeks ago. I was just gonna ask you. I mean, how much how much cooler of a moment would this have been if WWE didn't pre you know prematurely shoot their load on this? So let me maybe that's why they were replaced on SmackDown. They wanted to remove that image out of people's minds. I mean, it's possible, man. That could be. But, man, that just really pissed me off. And it's one of those things. I brought it up. I think it might have been over in the grill position chat room or discussion group. I had mentioned it, and someone was like, well, why does that matter? I was about to pull my my hair out. Apparently, you you don't follow NXT at all because they just just ruined, what, a year and a half, two years of storytelling. Yep, and now they're playing catch-up to try to fix it. Ricochet and Alistair Black have united, Rick. They're going to be a tag team now. Uh, Ricochet extending the offer to Alistair Black to join into the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Once again, this probably would have been a whole lot cooler if it would have happened before Monday and Tuesday when they were taming on Raw and SmackDown. Just another missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I think that kind of plays together. That lets us know, all right, we know these guys can work together now. No, this is going to be a serious run for these two. Yeah, but it was presented as Ricochet proposing to Aleister Black, hey, we should team up and enter the Dusty Classic. 
Oh, now see if they were just kind of like you know, hey, and we've, it's been like, rocking, we've been tearing it up. Let's do it. Right. Let's prove it here in NXT again. Okay. Yeah, it's just stupid. Uh, one two punch. Oni Lurkin and Danny Birch, they're going to be in it. And then we're rounding things out with your NXT UK representatives, Mustache Mountain. They're going to be in the Dusty Tag Team Classic. So this is how the brackets shake out. DIY is going to take on the Undisputed Era, otherwise known as Red Dragon, in the very first round. That's something to absolutely watch for. Candice LeRae is pissed. Talk about coming out swinging. Candice LeRae is pissed about this entire thing. Uh, that That's absolutely a vignette to watch that was on NXT TV this week. Ricochet and Aleister Black are going to take on the European Union, otherwise known as Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. One-two punch versus the Forgotten Sons. I'd tell you which two of the Forgotten Sons, but I forgot. Mustache Mountain is going to take on the Street Profits. That's, that's going to be a very entertaining match, I'm sure. And it might be the highlight of the first round of the Dusty Tag Team Classic. And in looking at these other matches, that's really saying something. The way these, the way that you have these here, is this the bracket? Yes. So we're, we can end up with, okay. I was thinking we're, we can end up with Ricochet and black versus DIY in the second round. Um, no wait. Actually, I think they are on opposite ends of the bracket. Now okay. As you say that. Well, I, I, cause I'm just kind of like picturing like, like big picture or looking at the big picture here. I could see because this will be your this finals match will happen at Takeover, correct? Yes. I could see them putting a stipulation where the winner of this thing goes to WrestleMania to take on the revival. Here you go. The left side of the bracket is Mustache Mountain versus the Street Profits, and okay. then One Two Punch versus the Forgotten Sons. The winner of those two matches will face each other in the semifinals, and okay. then you have DIY versus the Undisputed Era, and Alistair Black and Ricochet versus the European Union. They are on the same side of the bracket, so they, they will meet in the semis. Yes. And that and that adds a different dynamic to this thing because you look at those two and you think those would be your favorites. Like I said, you could see them throwing that stipulation when at Takeover, go to WrestleMania and challenge, you know, the revival for for those titles because we've seen the both of them beat the revival. Yeah. Uh, the way this is the way this is laid out here. How do you see this, man? How do you see it playing out? Um, I, I think there's a lot of interesting stories inside of this thing and how things are going to work. Uh, DIY versus undisputed era. That's going to be a very, very telling match. Cause there's nothing that says DIY even makes it out of the first round. I mean, red dragon is one of the best tag teams on the face of the planet. I mean, we're kind of looking past one of the hottest things down there. Yeah. And then Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner, while not necessarily as known as Ricochet and Aleister Black, those two guys have been tagging for years and they're really good, too. I do like Mustache Mountain over the Street Profits, but they've been pushing the hell out of the Street Profits. I could see that being a huge win for them. One two punch, I think, has to go over the Forgotten Sons. But once again, they're trying to get behind Forgotten Sons. And, you know, in the Dusty Tag Team Classic, I could see them absolutely losing to one-two punch, or I could see them winning this whole damn thing. I was going to have to say, you know, really breaking this down, as you said, if we can, if we go under the, you know, that surface and, and dig a little deeper, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, a lot of different angles, interesting angles that they could take here 
this looks like it's going to be a really fun little tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Speaking of a lot of fun, we had a match on NXT TV last night that, Rick, I think you are going to absolutely hate and love all at the same time, as it's Keith Lee taking on Donovan Dijakovic, otherwise known as Donovan Dijak. These two guys have been all over the world and faced off with one another all over the world. Their chemistry is absolutely incredible. They got so much done in a seven-minute match last night that ended in a double countout, which is a finish that we haven't seen in quite a while, the way that it seems. These two guys not only beat the hell out of each other as the quote-unquote super heavyweights they are, thank you, Mauro Ranallo, these two guys both are incredibly athletic. Rick, this was like a 275-pound version of a dot-dot-dot dive match. They're athletic as hell. These guys both. I'm okay with that in that sense because it's unique to these guys. It's it's something it's something unusual, something extraordinary to see these these amazing athletes like this. But on the flip side, when I see them doing this, there ain't no way in hell I care about the 190 pounder doing it. Yeah, there is that. I mean. That's a that's a that's a reason that the cruiserweight was dead on arrival because when they're out flipping and flopping, guess what? The next match, Kevin Owens is doing it better. Yeah, uh, when when, when Dijakovic is landing acai moon salts to the floor, I mean, my God, that dude is like six seven, two hundred and seventy five pounds doing acai moon salts. Now, now the trick is though, you know, and they've got to know these guys went out there to try to show. They're, they're in NXT right now. If they just rely on that big man game, that audience is going to leave them behind. You know, they're they're going to be left behind in, in that small man kind of dynamic down there. They can't go this. They can't go at this speed. This these type of moves regularly because, yes, they are big men. They are athletic as hell. But that's those frames don't hold up. You know, ask how many of them that took weird spills. You know, like big cast is when it comes to mind. Right there, promising, ready to break out, and boom, because he's taking too many spills over that top rope and losing his knee. Yeah. So they're going to have to watch that. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, One other thing that is to watch here. uh, Number one, I think this very easily could be a takeover match. Uh, Number two, if Ciampa and Gargano and Ricochet and Black are all leaving NXT, then we're not even we're not even talking about any potential call-ups that could happen at the Raw after Mania. You could be relying on Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic to really carry NXT for a lot of the fall. This could be a World Heavyweight Championship program come take over war games. You know, that, that really is interesting. And I wanted to, I have a question and I'll let you think about it as we finish up on some of these points here. So maybe let us in on what you, what you would, I, I don't know if you know yet. I don't know, but what you think that NXT card will look like. It's going to be very interesting to see what that NXT card is going to look like. They've got a lot of talent down there. Um, I'll try, I'll try to lay something out. We'll try to revisit that next week here on the show. Uh, Bianca Belair is going to take on Io Shirai in two weeks to crown the number one contender to Shayna Baszler at TakeOver New York. Rick, how do you feel about this match? 
in this number one contenders, you know, at this point, I think, and I was really big on Bel Air. I thought she was going to take that thing. I thought maybe they were going to go in a different direction, let her kind of reinvent this women's division. I think that moment has passed. With them turning her back heel, it really feels like that moment has passed. If they were going to stay with her as a red hot baby face coming out of that match, I could absolutely see it. But I don't want to see heel Bianca Belair versus heel Shayna Baszler. That does nothing for me. And I don't want to see you turn uh, Belair again already. EO seems like the better option, but I feel like Baszler's got to lose that match. And I don't know if EO is ready to be NXT Women's Champion. Well, at this point, who is? But that I means they're going to have to hand. But then again, how many times, you know, this goes back to almost uh, the AOP situation or how many takeovers, how many months did we say, when are they going to call them? When are they going to call them? And nope, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. When are they going to make the move with Baszler? Well, and that brings me back to Gargano and Ciampa and Ricochet and Aleister Black. My sources are saying that call-up was supposed to be a SummerSlam call-up. So now I'm wondering, does Shayna Baszler wait until a SummerSlam call-up since they're already calling all of those guys up? And it seems right now that they really don't have a direction. And we've seen that with the last the last crop of call-ups. Yeah. You know, outside of a couple humorous grunts from Otis, there's nothing going on with heavy machinery. EC3 is DOA, basically. He hasn't been on TV in weeks, has he? No, he's working main event. He's working main event. You get, obviously, they have something in store for Lacey, but she's now she's just doing the I'm still here act. Yeah, because she was not impressive in the Royal Rumble. And it, those are just nerves. She's going she's gonna to work that out. Uh-huh. She's going to work that out. Mm-hmm. We have all that pressure going out there. Number one. I mean, that's an intense spot. Yeah. She's, she's got to work her way up to that. Yeah. She, well, she, and then, the, congratulations. Your next match is against Oscar at WrestleMania in front of 80,000 people. <laughs> right. So they, they got to let her get to that point. <laughs> but, and then, and then they obviously, they obviously did not understand Nikki cross from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. That was clear. That was very clear. And, and now it almost just reeked of desperation. It was almost like they, they, I don't, I, you know, I hate that term call up that they brought into the red and blue. They brought these four, these four in almost is a device to help turn triple H face. Yeah. That kind of seems that way. Doesn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, me. It was one of those things that kind of, I, I need these people to start liking me here. So when Batista shows up in a couple weeks <laughs> that they're really going to like me. So maybe I'll just bring up all my hot guys from NXT because he was laying it on thick in that promo. As you know, you know, some of you, some of you hate me up here because what I do, but you, you love me for NXT. Here's my four crown jewels from NXT. I am giving them to you. Please, please love me. And make sure you love me when Pete Tista shows up in a couple weeks and, and kicks the shit out of the goat. How many how many more sacrifices at the altar of the game to turn him face are we going to see here in six weeks? Mia Yim takes on Shayna Baszler. This was a non-title match. Uh, now, Rick, you know, WWE booking has me so programmed that when I saw, oh, non-title, obviously Mia Yim is going to win this match. Nope. Shayna Baszler chokes her out. 
Thank goodness. But I mean, I'm so like pre-programmed at this point. Oh, non-title match. The champion loses. You want to talk about it. To see that this is a non-title, you want to talk about something I could believe, I could really buy into as a challenger to Shayna Baszler at NXT New York? It's Mia Yim. Dude, Mia Yim is going to get over huge in NXT. I can already see it. You can see the support for her just building inside a Full Sail. She is so good. She's so freaking good. Just, I mean, just how good she is, but just the imagery. She is freaking jacked. She sizes up with Baszler. When you're looking at that, I mean, you want you want that disbelief, right? You're like, dude, Kim could kick her ass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, that was a really, really good match. The story of the match: Baszler working over Mia Yim's leg. And you know, the thing that really makes Mia Yim for me is her selling. She's so authentic, and her screams just like curdle your freaking blood because they're so freaking good. Let's talk about uh, the the one last topic that I wanted to talk about this week, Rick. Um, and, and, you know, we started off the show with a goosebump moment from Roman Reigns. And I was like, oh, my God, get the fuck on with it, because I hate Roman Reigns so much. This one, the goosebumps were just crawling because I love both of these girls so much. Bailey and Sasha Banks make their grand return back to full sale. Dude, there were people in the audience in tears when Bailey's music hit. It was ridiculous, the pop that they got inside of Full Sail. And immediately, it was like, oh, yeah, these two were supposed to be big stars. Like, it is just a damn shame what has happened to Sasha Banks and Bayley since they have left NXT. But boy, did Full Sail let them know that they missed them. The ovation for these two was thunderous. It's no surprise to me. No, and it, 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 it's no surprise to anyone out there. You know, I've been rather harsh uh, on Sasha in the past. And I think here in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've really come around. Hey, I was the one I was the one pushing it when we had all this shakeup for the Raw stuff that they should move her to SmackDown and let her challenge uh, her and Oscar work a program for, for that women's title at WrestleMania. I, I've always seen always seen the value in each of these ladies. But like you said, once they got up there, once the red and blue management and creative sank their teeth into these two they in nxt they got the forgotten sons i mean these are the forgotten daughters yeah of, of what was going to be a, a great true evolution in women's wrestling and i know sasha sasha's had you know she's had the oculus she's got that great that great resume but almost that was just because charlotte needed someone she needed a counter and I know she's got the title reigns, but again, that was just more so that it could prolong. That's the only way they knew how to keep generating a story between her and Charlotte. So it was just kind of she was she was just that odd person out to hear this. I'm, I'm going to have to go check this out. I haven't seen this yet. I'm going to have to go check it out. These two have something special, and they have it with that core. They have it. How, how much Quinn love these two? Oh, she still does. She'll come running out of her room as soon as she hears either one of these two's music hit. She still loves both of these girls. Here, here's what, and it's kind of tied in with something that's been bothering me on on Raw with these two. They have this young fan base. They have a hungry. They have an that's energetic. They want to cheer. They want to get motivated. And this just isn't just you know Q sitting at home. This is the audience in the arena. 
And I know people say, well, the audience is still there in hour three. Those kids, are, they're cashed out. They're tired. Yeah. You go to a live event, parents are carrying their kids out before the end of Raw. I mean, it's almost like a, a funeral procession after SmackDown just because they're so tired. It's not because they didn't enjoy the show. They're tired. So every week, instead of having the Boston hug connection in hour one, early hour two, where you're going to get that great energy, they keep running them out here in hour three in where all of us are sitting there like looking at our watches like, okay, get this shit over with. Are you going to do anything in the last segment? Because you're just wasting our time for those 45 minutes. Yeah. That's it. And, and that's why that's a huge part of the reason why this this women tag this tag thing is falling flat on the red and the blue. Also, that the only ones that deserve to be there and really have any talent are Sasha and Bailey. But yeah, it's it's great to hear that they actually went to NXT. Uh, I think they're going to get the same ovation when they show up at NXT UK. Yep, absolutely. They'll get the whole Bailey song. Oh, that's going to be epic. Yeah, and it'll be ridiculous. And, I, and I'm thinking, you know, just what, what Sasha's reaction is going to be is she's standing there and Bailey's just taking this all in. And then Sasha's going to have fun with it for her friend. Yep, absolutely. You know, the, the problem with Sasha and Bailey, and this kind of brings us back to Rosemary, because uh, I was having this conversation shortly before we started recording. Somebody said what a great signing this was for Impact. I think this was a great signing for Rosemary, too. Because that character doesn't work anywhere other than Impact. For the same reason that Broken Matt Hardy didn't work anywhere other than Impact. The same reason Sasha and Bailey haven't worked on the main roster. These characters are developed inside of these companies, whether it be Impact Wrestling or NXT. And you go on that journey with those characters. You know the story. That's why Rosemary works. Because you buy into it because you've been on this ride with Rosemary for years now. Rosemary couldn't just go to the WWE and do what Rosemary does because you don't have that three, four years worth of storytelling that makes you go, okay, I'll buy into the dead realm because I like Rosemary and, you know, it kind of fits into her character. You just throw that on WWE TV. It doesn't work at all. It's the same reason the final deletion thing didn't work on WWE TV because you didn't have the whole story explaining broken Matt Hardy. There was nothing to believe in. You have to believe in the story in order for the story to work. Well, we and you're talking about just from promotion to promotion. And we're and this was led in by, by Sasha and Bailey. We've seen it work within their own company. They yep. can't even get it right from one brand to the other. And this is why I wish, you know, you have a three-hour show on Monday Night Raw. Take five minutes and give me an NXT recap. Five freaking minutes. That's it. Out of a three-hour show, give me five minutes to just kind of tell these stories so the main roster is familiar. So when you call these people to the red or the blue, people have some kind of a basic knowledge of what in the hell the story is so you don't end up with Johnny Gargano. He's Johnny Wrestling. He's the hero of NXT. Motherfucker, he hasn't been that person for a year. Just tell the story. You've got three hours. Give me five minutes. It's only a one-hour show. You could run a highlight package in five freaking minutes. Here's here's what I think. I think you actually you actually you nailed nailed the uh, hit the nail on the head there, man. I think that when they're actually moving to Raw or SmackDown, those people are only getting a five-minute package to figure out what that talent is, yes. and then you're trying to write for them. Years worth of storytelling in five minutes. 
hit the nail on the head there, man. Oh. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Check out some of our friends like Going Home with Brian and Michael. Also search Hacker Hameen on your favorite podcast listening device so you never miss any of the content from RBB and myself over in the locker room on Mondays. Visit our friend Jamie over at lastwordonprowrestling.com daily for all your news from around the world of professional wrestling. You can hit the show on Twitter and Instagram at HTMPWPod, Facebook, Hitting the Marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Find us Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an all-new episode of HTM Sports at twitch.tv backslash hittingthemarks. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. Where does Lacey Evans find you? Oh, you got all that exciting stuff. I got nothing. Just find me at, at the real RBV. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Monday over in the locker room. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up.